Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you live from New York, New York. While some of you are just happy you still have health care and others are trying to figure out if we still need a winter coat or a spring jacket in the town that never sleeps, we have a wonderful show for you today. This is our Business of Women Entrepreneur Series, and we have the multi-talented, award-winning journalist, Flo Anthony. Good evening, Flo. Hi. Good evening, Erica. How are you? Thank you for the lovely compliment. <laughs> I'm happy You're to so be very, here. Thank you. So, so very welcome. A veteran celebrity and award-winning journalist, Flo Anthony, currently hosts a daily syndicated radio show, Gossip on the Go with Flo, syndicated by Super Radio. In addition, she is the publisher, editor-in-chief of Black Noir, New York City, and a contributor to the New York Daily News Confidential column. Flo also writes a weekly syndicated column, Go with the Flow, which appears in several publications, including the New York Amsterdam News and Philadelphia Sunday Sun. Flo has been seen on countless television shows, including Geraldo, Entertainment Tonight, The Insider, TV One's Life After, MSNBC, Fox News Channel, CNN, HLN, and E! Entertainment Television. Once again, welcome to the show, Flo. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So when you were a young little girl around the age of five years old, what did you want to be? A doctor. A doctor? Uh, I wanted to be a doctor, but um, unfortunately I did not have the science or chemistry or math skills it takes to be that. (laughs) I was no STEM major. I was no Katherine Johnson. (laughs) So uh, I, uh, you know, after that I wanted to be an an actress, an entertainer, Uh, but, you know, I could always write from a little kid. You know, I'd write plays and the school would put them on, and uh, so the writing has always been with me since I was very small. Okay, okay. What, at that moment, influenced you to want to be a doctor? Was there something specific? I think um, I did, um, uh, we did the play or read the play Raisin in the Sun because reading has always been very important to me since I was four. And uh, the character Benita wanted to be a doctor, and she had that monologue in it to be able to make people well and to fix people, and and I think that's what uh, why I first wanted to become a doctor. Attracted, helping others. That's wonderful. What mm-hmm. was the moment that you think defined your direction and your career track? Well, um, boy, I... I, I originally I went to uh, college as, uh, to become an actress. I, you know, I'm um, a graduate of Howard University School of Fine Arts 
College of Fine Arts. Uh, but as I say, I could always write. When I was in um, high school, I was the youth reporter for my high school, Ann Arbor Huron High, to the Ann Arbor News. And um, so I had to do a weekly column for that. And I kind of totally switched over because I did work as an actress. I did extras on soap operas, and uh, I'm the voice of a cartoon that was on Sesame Street. Uh, But I think that what happened was I was helping my manager do casting, and uh, then um, I was someone asked me to do an article for them, and it actually appeared in the New York Times. And so then mm-hmm. I got into sports with that, and I started writing a column, uh, Keep Punching, in the African uh, Black American newspaper. And then I went, uh, the New York Post had an opening as an agate clerk in the sports department. I was doing publicity for a lot of different boxers and also some entertainers um, and football players, too. And so they said they want to hire a sister, and we've recommended you. Actually, Dean Miminger Sr. is who called me and told me about this job. And so uh, I got that job in the sports department, but the agate clerk is who adds up the boxes at the end of the night, like the racing uh, uh, scores and the basketball scores and the hockey scores. And it's all more than a notion. You almost have to be a mathematician to do that. And so they said, well, you know what, um, we're moving you to the uh, uh, entertainment department because, you know, you're just not getting this stuff fast enough. And I really went kicking and screaming because it was a lot of work. Uh, like they used to call, uh, the sports department used to call the Roosevelt uh, Raceways Flozevelt. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I'd be there all night waiting for these racing results to come in. But then I got smart, and I started calling the guy over at Newsday because somehow he was getting stuff faster than me. And so they'd be saying, oh, is your boyfriend from Newsday on the phone? Uh, and But one time I noticed when I was watching the racing forms, all of a sudden all the races were dropping out. And I said, guys, something's going on here. All these races, they, they, they're not finishing. And that was a horrible accident at Yonkers Raceway, and I, and oh, one jockey was even killed. So I discovered that just looking oh, at that, so I wasn't all that bad. But I'd also have to wait for those basketball scores to come from Los Angeles or the hockey scores to come from Vancouver. So then I got a little smart. Instead of waiting for AP to send it over, I started calling the teams directly. But anyway, <laughs> they sent me over to the <laughs> entertainment department, and the rest is kind of history. <laughs> I went kicking and screaming, though, yelling, I failed the whole black community. I can't make it as an ag clerk. So they kept saying, Flo, it's a better job. It's more money. It's a day job. But I wasn't listening to them. And, of course, I ended up working at the New York Post an entire decade. So, oh, they robbed my youth. What can I say? Sounding youth for a lot of people who uh, aren't in media, you just gave them the rundown of what sports is really like. <laughs> oh yeah, you, um, then when I got over the entertainment department, it wasn't much different. I was doing, uh, in fact, I got fifty dollars extra a week for it. The TV grid that's you know in the back that shows the lineup of the shows—that's a whole job mm-hmm. into itself. So I got mm-hmm. that little job. I was getting fifty bucks extra a week for it till somebody caught on. They said, "Why are they paying them fifty dollars a week?" And they tried to stop it, but I. I still got it, but then I was doing the uh, movie clock, uh, 
I was doing the theater guide. It just I was still doing all the same kind of type schlock jobs. But then mm-hmm. when uh, Spike did She's Gotta Have It, I said, you know, could I do an interview? And they said, well, could you get somebody? I said, I think I could get Tracy Camilla Johns, and I did. And then, you know, I've mm-hmm. always been friends with the Jacksons, and so Jermaine Jackson came to town to perform at the Apollo. I said, well, could I interview them? They said, could you get them? I said, well, I think I can. And so that's how it, it kind of <laughs> escalated into doing a little more. But then I got stuck with the entire Atlantic City section. After a while, it got a little crazy over there. But then, of course, I went to the uh, renowned page six, you know, because I kept breaking stories. The first one was Mike Tyson um, marrying Robin Givens. I was just in line uh, to get popcorn at school days, and I overheard somebody say that. And so then I called the post right away to tell them, and, of course, it was a great big story. And I continued to break stories, and uh, that's how I got moved eventually to page six. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I'm somebody uh, who's actually worked their way up to this ladder. It has not been yeah. easy. <laughs> yeah. has yeah. not been easy. people these days think it's supposed to be instant. <laughs> yeah, microwave uh, careers and lives. No, that did not happen to me. I had to work very hard. <laughs> understood, very understood. And a lot of people don't realize you were breaking, actually breaking stories. Um, that's, that's yeah, very I still notable do. You know, with the confidential well. column, I break a lot of stories. Uh, over the summer, I broke the story about Serena Williams not tipping at Ricardo. Last week, uh, two, well, actually, two weeks ago now, I did a story with Lila Brancato. You know, he was from a Bronx tale, and he was uh, involved with the, the murder of that police officer, that unfortunate incident up in the Bronx. I ran into him, actually, at my birthday party in um, Atlantic City, and I asked him, um, um, have you seen a Bronx tale, the play? I was just talking. And uh, he went on and on about how he would never go to anything Chaz Palminteri did because of all the things he said about him. So, you know, every week I'm and every day I'm still constantly breaking stories. So it's very important. Wow. Um, that's what journalism is all about. And, uh, you know, all these uh, uh, renegades, that's what I call bloggers, on the Internet don't <laughs> always quite understand that, but it's about breaking exactly. the story. And being correct and truthful when you do it. Exactly, exactly. Because there's this this theme of of fake news going around, and I've noticed uh, students just kind of copy stuff online. They don't do any fact checking anymore. No fact checking um, at all. Even this whole um, story about the young women uh, missing in Washington D.C. It turned out to be a misconception. What happened was they just somehow someone released pictures of girls that had been missing. And so, you know, uh, the Internet just went wild with it. And many of the pictures that we were seeing, those girls have been safe and at home for a while. And so that's wow. the danger of the whole blogging and, and the Internet because no one is taking time to fact check. And I'm not trying mm-hmm. to boast or anything, but tabloid TV kind of got started by shows like Hard Copy and Current Affair coming down to the mm-hmm. post to interview me after I had broken stories. So um, that's how a lot of tabloid TV actually did get started. Interesting. This is an interesting Mm -hmm. historical reference. Um, In terms of of media, we're kind of touching on it a little bit. How much has journalism and media changed? You talked about the bloggers a little bit since you began. Oh, it's changed drastically with the Internet. You used to be out there alone with the story all day. Now you're not alone with it more than five minutes. 
if that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm all about the breaking story. In fact, with my radio show, I work very hard every day to give them stories that I don't see all over the Internet. I mean, sometimes you've got to give them stuff you see all over the Internet because they're going to want to discuss it. But I really try hard to every morning try to give them at least something that's exclusive that they have not seen on the Internet. But that the Internet changed the whole game. Uh, you can't mm-hmm. even uh, make the money that you used to be able to make because of the Internet. First of all, you can't make the money because now people just want to be on TV. And so they'll go on everything free. You know, so back in the day, I was paid well to be on television with these stories. <laughs> but it's a whole different story now because people just want their face on there. And for lawyers mm-hmm. and or doctors, it's a good thing because they pick up clients, you know, so you mm-hmm. can understand or if you're promoting a book or something. But, you know, for just reporting entertainment stories, you know, they're not paying anymore really for it because, you know, they can get anybody to do it because they just want to be on television. Wow. Wow. But who knows? There might be a, a change because we, we need fact checkers. <laughs> People who know how yeah, to do journalism correctly. Desperately. Uh, what, uh, how did you start your journey uh, in becoming an author? Well, as I said earlier, I've always actually been a creative writer, which people didn't realize. And so mm-hmm. I've always tried a hand at, at books and, and different things. And so originally my first novel, Keeping Secrets, Telling Lies, a guy by the name of Michael Viener, who used to treat me terribly on Geraldo. I mean, he used to tell me I was insane, all kinds of things, on television, you know, with that old O.J. case and, and Michael Jackson. In fact, my cousins in Michigan said, who is this guy? Because we want to call him up. He can't just sit up there and say these things to you. So one day I answered my phone. He said, it's Michael Viener. I said, oh, my God, are you coming to New York to kill me? He said, no, I actually do like you. (laughs) I like like your tenacity and all. He said, and I'm doing, he had Dove books. He said, I'm doing a um, black murder mystery series, and I would like you to write the entertainment one. And so that's where Keeping Secrets, Telling Lies came from. And then, um, I'd been working for a while. A lot of things happened, so I didn't get another book out right away, but I had started Deadly Stuff Players. And so Suzanne DePass had introduced me to Zane at uh, the premiere of Zane's Sex Chronicles, um, you know, because Suzanne was the executive producer of it. And so Mm -hmm. um, I ran into Zane like two weeks after that at the Book Expo, and I said, you know, I've got a book, Deadly Stuff Players, I've been working on. It's actually a sequel to my first book. Not really a sequel, but the characters of Valerie and Rome, you know, are the same. So she said to send her what I had, and then she wrote back. She said, well, you need a synopsis, and gave me a sample one. So I sent that to her, and then she bought the book. And then for one last deadly play, um, she said that she wouldn't be able to get the book out till um, the end of 2017. And so I asked her um, if I could be released, which I don't really think I've been totally released because if you go on Simon & Schuster's website, I'm still a Simon Mm -hmm. & Schuster author. And then also also they're always Simon & Schuster, like on Twitter, said, oh, Simon & Schuster just mentioned you with this. I'm like, okay. But anyway, so I was talking to a guy, Terrence Russ, and he just kind of mentioned why he's a car. I said, well, do you know her? He said, yeah. I said, well, you know, I'm working on this book, One Last Deadly Play, 
<laughs> and Zane said I could take it somewhere else. So could I get an introduction? And she bought uh, One Last Deadly Place sight unseen. She didn't even ask for anything. She didn't even ask to look at anything I had. Uh, like three days later, so that's how that happened. So I'm I'm very blessed because I've you know um, my publishers are two of the, the baddest African American uh, females in in the writing game. <laughs> you know they go from Zane to Waida. I mean it's it's a big deal. So uh, wow. I'm truly wow. truly blessed. Yeah. And of course, uh, De- uh, Deadly Step Players was a Black Expressions best-selling book. I was number two for like six months. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What What do you want your audience to think and feel about your body of work when it comes to your book? That it's the dopest thing around and the bomb diggity. <laughs> <laughs> the best murder mystery ever written. James Patterson, Walter Mosley, look out. Uh, that's what I wanted to think. And the one thing about my books, especially a One Last Deadly Play, they're also romances. Uh, you know, they revolve around a gossip columnist, Valerie, who's, you know, basically me, and her friend, Rome Nyland, who is a um, NFL Hall of Famer turned private investigator. And then Valerie's uh, fiance, Victor Dumas, he's a black dot com billionaire. His son, Vance Dumas, who's a jockey, but his horse, Wild and Out, is aged out. So in one last deadly play, he forms an all black polo team uh, to play in the Hampton's Polo Classic. And they're wow. trying to uh, catch this bad guy. In in Deadly Stuff Players, the guy's name was Royale Jones, a baseball player. But um, mm-hmm. he turns out to be not Royale Jones, but Rolando Jemison once he's arrested for stuff. And he breaks out of jail. And at the same time, people are wondering, well, what happened to the real Royale Jones? And uh, so mm-hmm. it, it, I bring this guy, Columbus, back in to light in this book and so what everybody's trying to do is stop Rolando and all the bad guys from making one last deadly play so um it's a lot of fun uh it also you know uh, uh Valerie's always been this goody two-shoes throughout um uh keeping secrets telling lies and into into deadly stuff players and one last deadly play her past in Royal Jones kind of comes back to haunt her but um I, I mean, I enjoy writing it. I enjoy reading it over. I enjoy talking about it. So, um, you know, I hope everybody else will too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's time. I mean, uh, you are a pioneer uh, in so many facets in, in media and entertainment, and I really think that it's time for us to see your work on the big screen. I, I'm ready for it. You know, I was talking to a network, but um, <clears throat> they wanted to change the lead characters, Valerie and Victor, into one of them being, a, you know, being an interracial couple, and that would defeat the whole purpose of my book. I mean, I had the guy Columbus uh, with a Caucasian girl, Ariel, uh, in one last daily place. I kind of thought that might be enough uh, for them, but uh, that kind of defeated the whole purpose of it, so I didn't pursue it any further. So now, um, I, like I said, uh, that's something. I've been busy with so many things, and I moved over the summer. The summer just kind of went so fast and with the book coming out. <clears throat> then I mo- well, actually moved in November, so I've been kind of getting acclimated. 
So now uh, for this spring and summer, I'm going to really hunker down and try to get these books uh, sold to somebody to make a movie out of them or a TV series. <laughs> With three books, I actually have enough for a series. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing a series. I'm hearing a movie, and, and hopefully our yeah. show brings you some luck because there's there's just so much history in everything you do uh, that your work is going to exemplify that as well. Um, yeah, thank you. Do you have a a website where people can um, buy the book and see your work? Yes, I have a website, Black Noir. Um, that's um, B L A C K N O I R dot M Y C. And then you can also get the book on Amazon.com, BarnesandNobles.com, and um, BooksAmillion.com. And then on uh, Tuesday night, I'm actually doing a book signing uh, from 6 to 9 at the Harlem Fine Arts Show at the Rexon Metro Center um, in White Plains, New York. And uh, it's going to, as I said, from 6 to 9. So um, my sorority, the Westchester Chapter of Delta Sigma Theta, is sponsoring it. So um, I'll be there uh, signing uh, copies of both uh, One Last Deadly Play and Deadly Stuff Players. Very nice. Very nice. Our audience can definitely check you out there. Uh, What advice would you give aspiring authors? Uh, First of all, know your If it's fiction, you know, really know your characters. Like, when I finish a book, I feel lost because these characters are my friends, and then I'm not working with them every day anymore. And, you know, you go you go to sleep, um, you know, breathing life into these characters and, and, and you know, uh, just, just like they're real people. So really know your character. And I'm not too much of a self-publishing girl. I think it's best to try to get a deal. I mean, if you have to self-publish, fine. It's a way to go. But I still think it's it's good to try to get a deal. And and you can. I mean, look how I ran upon both of those deals. It's it's not. I'm not going to say it's easy, but uh, I think that people can. Okay. Um, and last, what would you want out of everything that you've done and all the wonderful work uh, that you've put together to be ultimately your legacy? Um, probably um, being the first African-American woman at the New York Post, which is, you know, basically, uh, you know, was a, a truly uh, white newspaper <laughs> Uh, especially when I was there, and in three departments, the sports department, the entertainment department, and renowned Page Six. And now, you know, Page Six has two African-Americans working on it, Carlos Greer and another young woman. Um, And so if I could, you know, uh, be the lead into that, I think I've done something in life. Um, And also if all those years, you know, I went to New York Post in 1984, so all those wow. years have passed, and if now I'm still working in in the general market at the New York Daily News in the confidential column, I, I think that I, I, I'm leaving something or giving something to young people to aspire to. Um, I, I think that's, that's, that's awesome. very important. And then I still, you know, write for the you know African American press, also with my weekly column. So I, I think that. Um, I I leave all of that, and then of course you know I leave my novels, 
I think it's just important to um, I, I, to give these young people, and I I try hard to mentor young people, and to um, you know encourage them, you know with with whatever they want to be, I, even if it's not a journalist. Like I mean, I think now I would encourage people to go STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, math, because a journalist you're not gonna make but so much money. <laughs> Unless you're on TV, you know. The average right. newspaper writer in America, I think, makes $35,000 a year. You know, so, uh, right. you know, it's not like the most lucrative uh, career you can get. Mm-hmm. True, true. A lot of people don't don't understand that. Well, Flo, it has been amazing having you on. I've learned so much in such a short period of time. We're going to have to have you come back on again. Uh, I would love to come back on. I'm just so grateful you had me on. Thank you so much. No problem. And just for audience, one more time, you're going to be where signing books? On uh, Tuesday, uh, I'm going to be uh, from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Harlem Fine Arts Show. It's going to be at the Rexon Metro Center, 360 Hamilton Avenue in White Plains. And come on out because the artwork is good. You know, we'll be there with books. It's it's a fun night. There you I think they got some entertainment going. It'll be fun. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. We know that you and your books and your work will continue to be a great success, and we look forward to watching your business grow. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Erica. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to our new 2017 Business Women Entrepreneurs series on Blog Talk Radio's Enterprise. Remember to check us out on Twitter and our TV cable and streaming version show on Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Enterprise on Blog Talk Radio. With your host, Erica Collins.